What could we do differently than we're doing now? What could we change? What could we become? That if we did that or became that, anybody who got even faintly acquainted with us would say, oh my gosh, I'd be crazy to choose anything else but this. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guests today are John Linker and Asaf Ari, the founders and CEO of Linker. John is a brand strategist and communication artist who designs experiences that attract, inform, and invoke. And Asaf is a true entrepreneur in his own right and has led many startups from zero to eight-figure businesses. Welcome to the show to both of you. Good to have you here. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. How'd you both get into this space? Well, Asaf was first to the space and, and he, he brought me in, so I'll let him tell the story. Yeah. Um, well, um, I got to that space from, uh, from, from, a, from the customer standpoint. So I hired Lenker back in 2012. Um, and when I moved to the States, we, my family and I kind of came in to help a distressed business. And a big part of what we wanted to do was, you know, rebrand and have a strong marketing strategy. And we were interviewing quite a few uh, local companies around the Twin Cities area. And we came across uh, Lenker and John Lenker had uh, a few interviews with him. It was a big decision for us. Um, we had a few interviews with him, I think three or four times we met before we made a decision. And, and then since then, I was, a, I was a client between 2012 and 2019. And when I decided to move, to leave the, the construction company, it was a, a concrete and foundation company uh, with also concrete coatings. When I decided to leave, uh, John approached me and offered um, to kind of join the Lenker team. So that, that's how I got into um, the marketing world. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, what, uh, what pulled you into the, the marketing side coming from the construction side? What pulled you in on the, the marketing side? It's, um, when I was in the construction company, I was, uh, you know, I was a CFO and I pretty much, um, oversaw a big chunk of the operations, obviously the financials and the marketing piece. And I, I, I enjoyed working with uh, the Lanker team at the time. I took it very personally to make the business successful and I saw how marketing is a big part of it and how mm. taking the right steps, um, the right strategy, having the right marketing strategy um, allows us to truly grow the business and not just have like a, like a nitro injection you know, some, some, some initiatives you do, they'll get you a little nitro, get a little bit of, a little bit of gas, but it's not sustainable. And it was, it was fun building sustainable marketing strategies to really grow the customer base, um, from multiple levels and not just the lead count and the referrals, mm -hmm. the reputation, 
the repeat business, um, thinking through the customer journey, the lifetime customer value, all of those things that are not traditional in the construction world. Typically, you just think about the next job, the gross margin and payroll on Friday. And we're able to, we're able to think, um, think through that and plan ahead and, 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 and do some fun stuff. And when I decided to leave the construction world, um, I, it was very appealing to me because we get to do that and that piece alone with all the other, without all the other stuff that, you know, can get you drained out in construction. Um, but, but be involved just with the fun stuff of helping businesses grow. That was, that's what attracted me. Uh, it was not John's looks, if that's what you think. It was, uh, it was getting involved with businesses, helping them where it matters. And that's, uh, that's what attracted me. Yeah, I love that. It, it's a it's a cool segue too to where I wanted to open up the the conversation. So, uh, you know, today's job market super competitive. What strategies uh, can companies really look to employ to help a- attract and then retain that that top talent? It's um, it, it has a lot to do with with your brand, but I'm not referring to your name and logo. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's how you hold yourself. And, 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 and how you, you treat your employees, but more than being nice to them. It's like you show a certain level of care and it's part of your brand. It's part of your reputation, right? You know, when I joined, when I joined the company, it was a tight market. It was hard to hire and we had 15 field employees. Um, when I left, we had 120. It was hard to hire and, you know, every year I remember the arguments that I had with the other partners and some of the other key key individuals when I was putting the projections for the following year. And they said, well, how are we going to get to execute on it? I said, well, we, we got, we, we're doing good work. We're, we're always attracting. Look at the last seven years. We're always attracting you know, new talent in. And, 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 you know, retention is a big thing because construction, you get a lot of turnover, right? We were really good in retention mm-hmm. and we were competing with union shops and we were not a signatory shop, right? We were, a, we were a non-signatory, non-union shop. And we did, you know, we did offer, um, you know, competitive pay, but, it, but we found out it was not just the competitive pay. It's being open with the, with the employees, uh, share where the company is going, what the company is doing, how the company is doing, um, share how mm-hmm. their jobs are doing, um, Show them that you care about them, truly care about them, and show them that you care about the customers that are going and working on their backyards every single day. All of it together d- does really good job retaining the staff. When 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 you see that there's the level of care is really high from the top, versus some companies that it's all about how do I squeeze another dollar, how do I charge back to my employees, how do I you know how do I push them and push and push. You know, the employees, the second they have a better opportunity, they'll leave um, instantly unless you check mark on the other pieces. So um, listening to your employees when they have complaints, connecting with them um, annually, quarterly, uh, here when, you know, imp- a, lot of, a lot of your employees will have suggestions. And most employers in that field, they brush them off because they know better. Um, so listening to them, taking action of some some of the suggestions they have. 
that will get them engaged, that will get them retained, that will get them to bring their friends over. And we have a lot of it when we grew our employee base by, you know, hundreds of percentages. Um, and that's, those are, those are the pieces from the operations side. I know John have some, um, some from the brand side, some more insights about that. Yeah, well, you know, I think mindset is really important. Um, you know, a lot of times the way that a business behaves sends certain signals. And, you know, obviously a business is, is projecting continuously the idea that we want to take care of our customers. You know, we're, we're going to do a good job, um, you know, in, in, you know, the commercial industry, um, commercial construction, you know, it's all about, you know, making sure that the, um, you know, the project managers are, you know, getting what they expect, but also having an experience that's as hassle-free as possible. You know, things are getting done on time. You know, um, you know, we're here to work for you. We're your partner. You know, all this kind of messaging that, so if you're, you know, some kind of sub, um, or if you're, you know, uh, you know, trying to get hired by a general contractor in one of the major trades, um, you know, you're, you're sending those kinds of messages. If you're a GC, um, you know, you're talking to your developers and owners about, you know, you know, all the, you know, the value engineering you're going to do and all the things that you're going to do to make their life worth, you know, um, you know, very much better when you hire them. And so the mindset is all around, you know, we're here doing all the creating all this value for you, our client, our customer, whatever. Um, but, but rarely do um, businesses in the construction world apply that same principle to the workforce. Mm -hmm. They're not in the mindset of, you know, we're here to serve you. This is the place that you want to come and work to grow your future and to provide for your family. This is a place that you can feel good about coming and take pride in. Uh, you're part of a team and, and there's a bigger idea at play here in our company. It's not just about getting the work done. It's about, um, you know, the, the, the way that we do it and, and the camaraderie that we have and the um, benefits we all get and, and how we share in, you know, the, the upside of doing well. You know, these kinds of things need to be thought through, you know, not just your standard benefits, health insurance, dental, you know, this much vacation and a 401k, um, but creating an environment that's like a magnet that attracts the natural human things that people have inside them that makes them want to belong to something. And so part of branding is really creating an environment. It's, it's a culture, it's a mindset, it's a set of principles that are not just written down on a piece of paper and forgotten about, but they're constantly being articulated in the day-to-day -day life of the culture of the business reminding people that they're they're part of something important that they are valuable um, that there is a, a path for them here in this company that we want to invest in you um, you know you're the best part of us is is you know our employees you know those kinds of things but not just in mottos on the wall but in in the mindset in the in the care um, the emotional intelligence that is used in dealing with issues uh, the mentoring, you know, the, the thinking ahead and working with everybody to create an individual development plan. Hey, we're partners in you building your future. You know, what are we going to do this year? Where do you want to be in a year in your career? What kind of skills do you want to have? You know, what, what do you want your income to be? How can we collaborate together on helping you get to those goals, right? One of the, one of the big principles that we try to, to convey when we're mentoring people around hiring 
is that you, it, you know, it, it, it costs so much money to bring in a new employee, you know, recruiting them, training them, acclimating them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a big investment. And um, if, if you don't think in terms of retention, if you don't think in terms of, um, I don't want it to be that in two years, this employee thinks, you know what, I've gone as far as I can with this company, I need to start looking somewhere else. The way you fix that is that you start by saying to the employee, look, what's the two year plan for your life? What are your goals in you know, two years, three years? What, where do you see yourself? You know, what is your income going to be? And, and thinking in terms of an open road, tell us where you want to go in this industry and we're going to be your partner in helping you get there. We're going to actually adjust our agenda to fit making sure your growth plans actually materialize so that no matter where you want to navigate in your career, you're going to find a home with us because we're about facilitating your growth and help guiding you to achieve your goals. We're your partner in that. Now, if you just listen to the way I'm talking about this already, you can see what I'm talking about in terms of mindset. When, when you start talking this way to people and, you, and they can see and they can feel that you're invested in them, immediately there is something that's differentiated from other people that are, that are hiring. Mm. So these are the kinds of things that when they materialize makes uh, people, in this case, the audience of potential employees or existing employees, believe that you're a market leader. And so that's what a brand is. It's, it's a brand is what people believe about you. And just as important as, you know, the, the client and, and customer and consumer audiences and caring about what they believe about you and crafting your messages and, and, and crafting a value proposition that's going to resonate. Just like that, we have to think about our employees and prospective employees as an audience and that we have to give proper attention to how do you nurture belief in the marketplace that makes everybody want to work for us because they know that we're differentiated. So these are the things that, that really matter when it comes to employee retention. Like Asaf said earlier, it's not about, you know, I, I can make 50 cents more an hour with you. That's why I'm here. It's because I believe that I'm part of something here. And I believe that this is the place where my future is going to come to um, it, its highest potential. Um, and, and unless you take the time to craft messaging around that, to, to kind of game plan your organizational strategy, your employee development strategy, and actually put plans into place, your individual development plans, your IDPs, unless you craft and engineer those with as much care and concern as you do your marketing strategy to get new business, then you're never going to actually materialize that kind of value proposition that's going to not only be understandable by uh, the workforce, but they're going to believe it. They're going to get it and they're going to want to be a part of you. So mm. to me, this is the core of how you differentiate yourself as an employer in the construction industry. And if you get on board doing this now, there's so few people who are doing that. I mean, just all you have to do is go to the websites of your competitors, type in keywords, whatever, find the top 10 and, and look at what they say about careers. Now, some will have a careers page, but what is there? What information is there? How much effort has gone into creating a story, to, to you know, painting a picture 
and in offering tangible benefits that are differentiated. It's very rare. It does happen, but this is this is where the big opportunity is to stand out in the crowd as a as a business who's hiring. Yeah, uh, more than agree. How do you encourage construction companies to uh, take the time to invest in that that mindset change it and really focus on the brand perception in order to create that 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 strong brand storyline? Well, a lot of times it comes down to numbers, right? I mean, you can you can model out what happens when you have a lot of turnover. You can model out the financial impact of that. You can model out, um, you know, statistics around caring versus not caring, investing in employees, 360 degrees, you know, um, you know, the, the, the whole person mentality, not just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm going to bribe them with money and that, and I can treat them like, you know, garbage, but they'll, they'll stick around because they want that paycheck. Gone are those days, right? You have to think about the whole person and you have to think about all the things that impact them, work-life balance, um, you know, accommodating um, some of the challenges that come up in, in this day and age. Um, you know, I, I, just as an example, um, I mean, this is going to sound so far, I, I guarantee this hasn't come up in any of your podcasts, um, but just think about autism and the challenge that families are facing having kids that are diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. When your kid is diagnosed with autism, suddenly you're having to go to school for parent-teacher conferences that are you know, not scheduled. You're having to go to healthcare visits. There's specialists you need to see. There's all this pressure and stress. And if your employee is facing that, and, and there's going to be you know, probably a large percentage of your audience right now listening to this is going to go, oh my gosh, He's talking about me. I'm going through this right now, or I, I've got employees going through this right now. Well, what can a company do to think through accommodating the challenges that their employees face so that when they face these inevitable challenges, that you actually have sort of a, a track for them to follow? There's support things that can happen at work. There's accommodations that can be made. Um, you know, there's, you know, some places will we'll have you know, certain people be floating and available to fill in based on the fact that somebody has got to be gone. You know, you, if you've got a site supervisor who suddenly has, you know, some healthcare challenge, you know, what happens when that person can't be there, um, you know, from one thirty to three thirty on, on Tuesday, you know, and, and, you know, fighting that and, and dealing with that on the fly is inefficient. It's ineffective. People are going to screw up. They're going to say the wrong thing. They could even say something that's, that's going to get them in legal trouble. But game planning these kinds of things out, thinking through, workshopping, you know, take a, a, a retreat, you know, some weekend, the management, ownership of the company, go and, and, and talk to your, your middle management layer and think through the whole person. Mm -hmm. What are the aspects of, of our employees that we need to make sure we're addressing? Do we have a plan? Do we, do we have a, a framework in our minds for these things? What can we do to help? Right? Yeah. So, so these are the kinds of things that when you really work on them and develop them, they do differentiate you. And, and the return on investment is huge. It's huge. When you think of all the things that cost money when things stop, when you have turnover, when there's somebody who's distracted because because they're suffering from something or they're they're distracted with something at home 
and mistakes are made and they cost tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. So there, there is a, a, a financial side that can influence the ownership of these businesses to do the right thing. And, and that's what we advocate for. Yeah. No, I think it's huge because we're all people at the end of the day and you can't separate what's going on in your, your everyday personal life. That doesn't, you don't just drop that off at the, the door. You, you bring all that with you when you come in uh, during you know, your, your work hours and everything. So you, you got to be able to uh, care about the person behind the, the employee and, and be able to have that conversation of what's going on like, and show that you show that empathy, show that you care for them. And that goes a, a huge, huge way. Um, kind of shifting a, a bit. So no company has unlimited resources. Uh, how do you get innovative with branding efforts without breaking the bank? And are there some creative examples of, of companies that, that you've seen really successfully be able to uh, achieve and accomplish it? Well, you know, kindness is free. <laughs> and so much of what works is really, you know, the, 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 the greatest weight to it is in the, in the idea itself. Mm -hmm. So having the right ideas can be really important. Um, and, and doing kind of a cost benefit analysis that looks at the relative costs of, of different kinds of outcomes and, and being reasonable about investing what you can afford into the things that are going to have the maximum impact. So thinking through this, analyzing this, we, we've actually had engagements with, um, you know, businesses that are doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and multi-billions of dollars in revenue that are centered exclusively around helping with the, the employee culture, um, um, attracting and retaining employees. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, they're, you know, without naming names, um, you know, there are, there are innovations. I know innovation is a big part of, of, um, you know, your, your program. Um, and, and I, I, again, I can't disclose any details, but I, I can tell you some of the recommendations we've made, um, have as much to do with creating accommodations around things that are really getting people stuck, um, than, than they do with the direct pay and, and bonuses and, and those kinds of incentives, mm -hmm. but creating amenities, uh, creating, um, opportunities for people to, to kind of recalibrate themselves mentally and emotionally, um, you know, having, um, guidelines and, and, uh, rules in place that deescalate certain situations, um, you know, putting training in place for supervisors that gets them certified in principles of emotional intelligence. You know, a lot of these things don't have to cost a lot of money. Um, but when they start working, um, it immediately becomes clear that um, the, the, the financial aspect of it's gonna work out very well. The industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability. This is causing 25% of data being recreated and almost $300 billion lost due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication 
decision-making, and project efficiency, delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget. Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time and money. How do you encourage people to uh, take ownership of their stories and, and then be able to share it effectively that stays also in line with the, the company's brand story that they're putting out into the world? Well, it starts by making space for thinking through your value proposition, right? And thinking through what your key differentiators are. You know, a brand is kind of like an unfolding of the idea around your value proposition. So when uh, somebody hears your name, it, it represents something. Um, and then you know, maybe they hear your slogan or your tagline, and, and then they get just a little bit more um, depth into that value proposition. And then they hear, you know, what your key differentiators are, and it's a little bit more. And, and you know, it just kind of unfolds. Um, the thinking around your differentiation, it takes time, it takes space, it, it takes creating an opportunity for people who have talent for guiding this kind of exercise to get involved. That's why our company exists actually, is to, is to create a space and a time where um, based on a real thorough market opportunity analysis, you know, competitive analysis, we, we do a lot with just kind of absorbing everything about the competitive field, like literally everything they say and do. We, we suck that up into a database and we, we create profiles and um, comparative analysis so that we know exactly what everybody says, who you're competing with in any given location. And um, we then craft messaging that is head and shoulders above the competition. We create visualization. We do everything necessary for you to be positioned as a market leader. But again, it's not just what you say about yourself. It's not just about how you look. It's how you think through the value proposition that you really have. And, and here's what's at the core of that is this question. This is like the secret sauce right here. Here's the question. What could we do or become that if we did it and became it would make us the undeniable solution in the market? What could we do differently than we're doing now? What could we change? What could we become that if we did that or became that anybody who got even faintly acquainted with us would say, oh my gosh, I'd be crazy to choose anything else but this, this company. Mm -hmm. Now I know in this industry, so much of it comes down to, you know, you're bidding on projects and there, you know, who knows what goes into, you know, who gets chosen, right? It's, it, it can be price. It could be schedule. It could be, uh, capabilities. It could be proven track record. There's a lot of very practical things, but all else being equal, right? You, you get two or three competitors that are about the same cost. They, they've got about the same capabilities and you start to get into this arena of, you know, who do I want to see win? Who would I like to give the business to? And we, we all know that's based on relationships. So much of it is, but you know, what are the values behind those relationships? And especially when you get into larger projects, you know, multi-million, hundred million dollar projects. Um, you know, there, there's so much more at stake than just the interpersonal part of the sales process, right? 
there, there are things that need to be scrutinized and analyzed and understood. And in the confidence that the developer or, you know, the owner group needs to have in the key vendors they're choosing, the key partners they're choosing, it, it's going to extend into a lot of details. And have you done your due diligence? Have you um, documented how you have your act together at a level that nobody else does? Mm. And do you even know not just the practical checklists that the people that are choosing you are going through, but what the psychological drivers are that are helping them form the impression whether they check the box or not, right? So many, so many of us have had this happen where it's like, well, what are they talking about? I'm not qualified to do X, Y, Z. Look at, look at our showcase. We've got all sorts of things like that. How, how come they didn't see that? We see it. How come they didn't see it? You didn't understand the psychological triggers. They right. didn't get it the way that you think they should. And it extends right. to people working for you and it extends to people hiring you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that question. I think it's a, it's a good question that people can, can sit on for sure. It's a great takeaway. Uh, so one of our kind of key thread lines that, that we pull, you, you mentioned is, is around innovation. What, is, what does innovation mean to you both? For me, innovation is trying new things and not be afraid of failing on them, right? You, you, you need to, otherwise you become that company that doing it for 30 years, the same thing, right? And you fall behind. The way we've something always done I, it. <laughs> I, I hear it all the time. Oh, we've been doing it for 30 years, right? That's maybe why we're here to help you today, right? Is don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to, um, to test new things, to try new things, new methods. Don't accept facts un unless it's an atom, right? Like, like drill down, argue, question everything and try to always improve. And that, you know, the, the thinking of always improving pushes innovation, right? You, you're not going to be afraid to try new things, manage the risk, obviously don't, uh, don't, don't risk it all on just for the sake of trying something new, right? Make sure you're hedged. Um, but, but push yourself, push your team, try new things and, and measure and, and continue from there. So innovation is having a, a, a mindset of always improving and not being afraid to take a step because otherwise you become the, the Nokia's of the world or Kodak and, you know, you, that, that's what happened when you're lacking innovation, right? Mm -hmm. you, you become obsolete at some point. It may take a year, it may take five years, 10 years, 20 years, but you'll become obsolete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. John, what about you? I actually like um, Michael Gerber. He wrote a book called The E-Myth back in the 80s, and it's been revised a couple times. And uh, he makes a big point about the difference between creativity and innovation and um he says a creativity, and this is paraphrased, but creativity is, is having a good idea. And innovation is being able to implement a good idea in a way that leads to successful outcomes for all stakeholders. Mm. You know, being, being able to put it into action and, mm. and putting in the, the systems and the processes, um, you know, the building the organization that can deliver results based on the mm. creativity. That's what real innovation is. And so it's the responsibility of the owners of a business. Um, and I'd recommend that book, The E-Myth. Even though it's an older book, it's, it's really 
um, valuable that it's, it's up to the owners of an organization to really put in that structure, to think through the structure and put it in place in a way that leads to the ability to really deliver on the ideas in a repeatable, sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, you know, where creativity, um, you know, one of the things that makes Asafana a good team, um, you know, I've always been kind of the, the balloon kind of floating up into the sky with all of my ideas. And um, Asaf is, you know, like the, the, the string and the stake in the ground that kind of keeps me anchored to earth. And um, you can kind of pull on that string and, you know, control its altitude and, you know, um, those two things together, you know, the, the innovation, the, the, the vision, the, the big thinking, but the practical reality, you know, the, the financial accountability, uh, the restraint, mm -hmm. um, those things need to um, wrestle with one another. And um, it, it's, you know, since Asaf, well, the reason I asked Asaf to come in, he was a little bit modest about his background, but he comes from a family that uh, has, you know, been, you know, the biggest players in their, uh, in the construction industry in, in, you know, at least one field. And then they entered another and, and helped build one of the most successful companies in that other field. Um, and I knew that if Asaf, working with him, he, he beat me up so bad when I was his vendor. I knew that if somehow I could get him on ice, you know, remember in uh, the Lion King, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the two little animals were like, what if we could get the lion on our side? What if he could be on our side? And it's funny because lion is one of the, I think his family name means lion, but you know, that the idea was let's get, let's get somebody into the mix who has that grounded perspective, who can bring the structure, who can bring the discipline around this kind of visionary thinking that we'd always done. And mm -hmm. since we joined forces like this, our company has grown, you know, I think 10, 15 X. Um, so I, I, I recommend uh, innovation be thought through in that kind of way. You know, the, yeah. the creativity and the vision with the practicality and the discipline. Yeah, I think that's a, a, it's a good framework for it because it for sure requires both in order to implement successfully and implement well for success. So yeah, spot on there. How do people find out more information and, and connect with you all? They can go to lenker.com slash BTG for bridging the gap, linker.com slash BTG. And uh, they can, um, we'll have a little bit of a wrap up video after this, Asaf and I will record, but we'll also um, have a, a PDF they can download about things to avoid uh, when wanting to grow a construction business, a successful uh, construction industry business. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Last question for you. If I could give you all power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry, what would you pick to innovate? For me, it would be something around culture. Um, I don't know how to pin it down. There's, there's, a, there's certain cultural... Um, there's sometimes in that field there's selfishness and it, it it needs to change that's why a lot of um people are afraid to buy construction because they're afraid to get screwed and that needs to change uh, that shouldn't be the this shouldn't be the norm mm -hmm. right so it's 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 culture through building trust uh, that's, I don't know if it's answered the question, but 
Hopefully. I, I see where you're going with it. That's, good, that's uh, deep as stuff. Mine's a lot more shallow. <laughs> I like it. The dichotomy there. Okay. But you know, I thought you were supposed to be the the balloon, John, and Asaf was supposed to be the the string. You guys are reversing roles. Well, he here. made me. He made me look so boring. Hey, you know, I have these <laughs> okay. crazy ideas, and this yeah. guy always shut them down. So I had to come. You know, I had to squeeze myself here. <laughs> My innovation would be how to get rid of rain days in the construction industry. How to get rid of rain days. If you could figure out how to get rid of rain days. I don't know if you, yeah, some kind of a force lot more field. Days to work, yeah. <laughs> I, I must say, John, I, I, I bow to you about this. I, when you were talking earlier, I wanted to say the year, the year that I left, the spring when I left um, the concrete shop, um, we had a kind of a spring event before the season. And winters here in the Midwest are very slow, right? A lot of, a lot of the team members are laid off, and then we get to a very busy season with a lot of overtime. So overall, they're putting their 18, 1900 hours a year, um, but there's um, it, it, there's a very little work in the winter and 50, 55 hour you know work weeks in the summer. Mm. But I, I one of the things I, I did, I, I got all the team to think a little bit through my lens, right? As the financial person. And I put a lot of interesting data points for them. And one of the data points I show them is how much money we're losing on a rainy day. And they were, they were shocked how much, how much money it costs to move this place and how much money, how much revenue we lose when everyone sits at home. Mm. So, so John, that's a yes, yes. But you know, without destroying earth at the same time. There you go. This is the, the force field, you know, it protects it for a little bit, but the water still gets to the ground, you know. <laughs> yeah. Raining at night and weekends, it's okay. There you go. There you go. I like it. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking the time and, and coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Todd. Now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Your brand goes beyond just your name and logo. It's a holistic representation of who you are. Take the time to paint a vivid picture of your brand for people and consider how you want to stand out and differentiate yourself. Second take, cultivating a positive culture is crucial. Demonstrating genuine care for your team not only makes it easier to attract and retain top talent, but also plays a significant role in attracting and retaining high quality clients. And finally, I really appreciate the question John posed. What could you do that if done would make you the market leader? This is a pivotal question to ask yourself. Set aspirational goals, think big, and then work backwards to figure out the practical steps to turn your vision into a reality. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Gray Tech Group at asdi.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingagappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2024.